Hello, friends. We have some feedback, so a little a little hook up to start. Give us one second. Troubleshooting. All right, we are back. It's Masters Week. Um, I, I feel like it's a tradition that's not like the other ones, right? Is that something like that? Um, super exciting. The big cat is back. He is playing. And you know what? I, I don't know if anyone has seen this, but there's an interview that goes around from Tiger's rookie season where uh, he kind of says, you know, he's a young kid, and he's like, you know, if I'm playing, I'm playing to win. And they kind of laugh at him, and they're like, you know, you're a lot to you're a young man. And obviously, hindsight 2020, you watch back the interview now, it's like you laugh at the interviewer because it's like Tiger pretty much wins every tournament. And I, 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 every time I hear people now talk about, oh, he can't possibly compete after this crash. He can barely, he's lucky to be able to walk. To think that he can compete this week is just so ridiculous. I keep thinking back to that interview and thinking back to Kyle and how confident he is when he's like, yeah, I can win. And how everyone's saying he's hitting the ball as well as anyone. I'm like, everyone who's doubting him, I'm, I'm not going to doubt him. I'm, if, if Tiger's playing this week, I mean, I'm, and granted, I'm getting just, you know, into the melee, the hoopla of the Masters and the excitement, but Tiger's back, Augusta's back, the Masters is back. I'm excited, and not only that, we have a special guest tonight joining us, Mr. Sticks Picks, who just happened to get married this weekend, and he and his wife decided to honeymoon on the DraftCast. Welcome, Sticks. <laughs> not much, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're uh, we're leaving after the Masters. You have to, you know, priorities. That's how a marriage works, I heard. So we had to well, wait. You know, you, you got to pay the bills, right? You got to go out there and make some money. <laughs> this is a work week. You can't be going on vacation. That it's is a right. Week. With Six, thanks for joining with us tonight. Six is uh, replacing Sia. Sia has a prior engagement tonight, so he's not going to make it. But we got the we brought in the big guns for Masters week. And we always have our trusted, as always, Golf Writer of the Year, Spence. How you doing this week? Good, Joel. Um, you know, as what you said with Tiger, I think you are correct with that. Nick and I had a long conversation about it on the Better Golf Pod earlier. I think he, well, I don't think. I know he truly believes that he can win this tournament. That is not just him saying words that, like, there's no purpose behind it. My only concern is, is if his body can hold up for four days. We'll see what happens on that front. But I do think on Thursday, he's going to come out and give us whatever his best version is for the week. You know, it's funny. You're right. And I was planning to save this for later in the show. But we do like to promote a certain bet on this show. And maybe that's the leader after the first round. And, you know, Tiger shouldn't be too damaged after day one. So maybe that's the way to look at some wagers. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um but congratulations to Nard for your spent. You are on uh, – you're killing us in the drafts. Uh, another win last week. Another great draft. You have been spot on. Uh, talk to us about your draft this week and, and how you did. Yeah, it was a, a good lineup I put together. It would have been much better if either Matt Jones or Troy Merritt could have won the tournament. But uh, other than the KH Lee pick, which was a little unfortunate, that lineup had a lot of potential if I could have had – and unfortunately, as I said during the show, I tried to jump you on the wager and – it didn't work out. I think KH Lee, that's a Nick thing at this point. He's coined the nickname of TPC Lee. Uh, you had better success when you took him. So not going to go down that route again for a little while. But yeah, the lineup was very solid with it. Um, you know, every single week it feels like it's either been a five, a six or a six, a six. 
I think the lineup that I've put in for this show is either cash five of the last six weeks or six of the last eight weeks. So um, there's been some, you know, we're lacking the ultimate upside with it. At some point, I'm hoping that that lineup ends up coming in the top hundred and it can really make a run, but it's been a successful run these last couple months. A heater to say the least. Uh, and not that we, I want to move quickly on from your very impressive run, but we're not going to waste any more, lot more time not talking about the Masters on Masters Week. So, um, again, super excited. If there's ever a week where the course breakdown is important, it's this one, right? This is a unique test for the golfers this week. It's a unique test in that there's a certain type of golfer that really will struggle on this type of a course, and there's a certain type of guy that it will benefit. So without further ado, Spence, give us the course breakdown for this week. So the Masters is the most iconic event in golf and the only major championship that's played at the same stop yearly. I am sure there are a lot of people that don't follow golf year round, but still understand the value and importance of the green jacket. Augusta National is the venue that hosts this stop. It measures in at over 7,400 yards. Par 72, bent grass greens that feature extreme undulation and speed. The fairways are 46 yards in width. That is longer than a typical tour stop and likely is one of the reasons why length off the tee has been a critical proponent to pinpoint. Golfers are nearly twice as likely to three-putt when comparing Augusta to a typical track, and the slopes and uneven lies result in a 3.9% decrease in GIR percentage. I will save the majority of the breakdown that I do weekly for the Better Golf Podcast. Nick knows better than anyone else that I can go for an hour when I get started. But to quickly summarize a few takes and what I weighed into my model, I started with weighted tee to green for 20%. That is a redistribution of my version of strokes gain off the tee approach and around the green. The off the tee portion looked heavily into distance. The approach numbers took a recalculated proximity total to mimic past historical trends. And the around the green portion just looked at undulation at the track. Fast bent grass greens for 10%. That was a combination of strokes gain total and strokes gain putting on that texture. Weighted par four, 15%. I am rounding up or down in a lot of spots, but there are essentially nine holes that stretch between 450 to 500 yards. That puts us in a similar proximity range over and over again. And I reconfigured some of those trends to come up with the new metric. Par five birdie or better, 20%. There are going to be the most accessible holes that we can find at the course. Each yield between a 33.4 to 43.2% birdie rate. Weighted scrambling, 15%. That's all the random outlier stats that I could find and threw them into one spot. And then I finished it with a combination of around the green plus three putt percentage for 20%. I also created a metric after the fact that I put into a model that took six of the main components that I could find that you need to have to find success at Augusta. That essentially is a course-specific breakdown of the players that should be able to replicate their success the best with the form they're bringing into the week. I love it. Now, that was a pretty simple breakdown, so obviously you should be able to remember all that. But for even more simplicity purposes, Spence, if there were one stat to hone in on at the mess, which I know is impossible, there's a lot of things to look at, but if there were one you had to pick, what would you pick? Can I give two and cheat a little here? Fine. I, I would say distance. I would say any of the short game metrics. I think around the green three putt, I guess that's three things. Uh I mean, I can't really stick to... The Just keep going. Game. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> some combination, some combination of that. Like, and that's, in fairness, I put six stats into that to try to find a course-specific breakdown of Augusta. 
it had distance in it. It had course history. It had the short game. It had long iron proximity. It had the other things that I mentioned too. So I think those are like, it's, it's a course that we know rollover predictability here is better than any course on tour. So I do think that a lot of these stats are important to look into and because we know what we're going to get. It's not a guessing game. The only part of the guessing game this week is how much softer is the course going to play because of the rain? That's the only thing that we have to ask the question for. That's a fair, that's a fair question. Um, and Stig, I want to ask you the same question. What are you, if there was one, and I'll, I'll give you the leeway of two thing that you wanted to highlight for this course, what do you highlight? Uh, golf. Just be a really good golfer. Yeah, but um, I, I'm with Spencer. I think around the green is probably my heaviest weight, but uh, TD green probably second, which includes, you know, around the green as well. So pretty much just being really good at golf. Yeah, and you're right. I think one thing that we you've heard, if, if you're watching our content, maybe probably not the first piece of content you watched this week. If you're looking around, what you've heard, right, what's common is this course, more than most, tends to reward guys with experience, guys who have been well, played well here before. So looking at a lot of course history, but my one caveat to that would be we're in a weird time in golf in that there's a lot of a new generation coming up and a lot of the old guard that have a good course history are past their prime. And I don't think it's fair to go back like Lee Westwood, right? Lee Westwood was great here. It's not his day anymore, right? I think it's, I'm not going to be playing Lee Westwood. I mean, I'm sure there are people who are, and maybe he'll bite me in the butt for doing that. But I think a lot of those types of guys, I mean, one who's not that much past his prime, but I'm not playing. Sergio. Sergio's getting old, right? Sergio's not the same Sergio he was. Um, he was, you know, he he's won here. He doesn't consistently do well here, but he has done it before. So I think it's time to start looking at the new guard and who, which guys are going to start rising and who are going to be the new wave of guys that find uh, long-term success playing this course. So with that being said, how are we going to find those guys? We're going to have a draft between the three of us and you, the audience participating, and we're going to find out who is not only the best drafter, which is so far Spence, but that's not going to last forever uh, uh, for this week at the Masters and which guys that we are highlighting. So, Spence, you won last week. You picked the draft order. You gave yourself the first pick, and uh, you've penciled in Jason Day, which is That's now- a contrarian play, yeah. And very contrarian considering I don't think he's even there. But um, he might be there in the crowd, which anything can happen. Tiger withdraws. There's no replacements, but still he's still there. So it's something to think about. Um, I'm going to be picking second. Uh, the audience, you're going to have the third pick. So get your nominations in. And then the most recently married man sticks picks pick and forth on the turn. It looks like Spencer was not pleased with the yeah, fact that he got he go? first and he decided to leave the draft, which is an unfortunate turn of events considering he has the first pick. But um, get him back in while we wait for him to get back, I will just re-highlight the rules. So the snake draft. Um, Nick, you're going to get two picks on the way back. You have to stay within a typical DraftKings lineup salary. Um, you can pick whoever you want. So, you know, as you've seen, if folks have watched our show before. It doesn't necessarily mean we take the highest price golfers first. A lot of times it's about finding value. So if you have a value golfer that you really like, you might take them early and then go fill out your roster with uh, maybe the more higher budgeted or top tier guys, however you want to word it, um, as the draft pursues. So there is a lot of strategy involved in drafting, and it helps um, you guys, the listeners, kind of see who we're prioritizing in different ranges by you know where we take them in our draft. Now, I am a strict draft commissioner. So if Spencer does not come back within the next, I don't know, maybe I'll give him 20 seconds, he is going to get skipped. 
and we're going to start the draft because I'm sure he will be back. I, I know um, his first pick, if that helps. Well, he did write in Jason Day, but I assume that that won't actually be his first pick because that just doesn't seem like a good pick, and he's usually pretty good at this. So um, maybe we'll it's let a, It's Rory. He, uh, I, I'm 100% sure that's all he talked about on Better Golf is, is Rory. There he is. He's back. I hope it's not, and I would love the drama that would ensue. We've, so It's going to so be Rory. It's got to be. Defense, Sticks has, has claimed he knows who your pick is, and he was ready to pencil it in for you. You got back just in the nick of time. So, Spence, you're on the clock. Well, one of the ways to try to beat me is to pull my internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick would have been correct, and it's it would have been Jason Day. As you can tell on the sheet right now, Jason Day is the honorary mention that I am penciling in right now for that spot until I make this selection. But uh, this will ruin some of the theatrics of where I was going to go with this. But there's a golfer in this field. He has never won a tournament at less than 12 under par. As I alluded to, I think these conditions are going to be softer because of the rain. I think this gets up between the 13 under to, I mean, I said 15 under on the Better Golf podcast. I think it might even get up higher than that. I think this could be, you know, a 16, 17, 18 par under par winner. I think Rory captures the career grand slam. Uh, I don't think I needed to be the number one spot to take Rory there. Maybe Nick might have stolen him from me, but uh, give me Rory McIlroy. You know, I didn't believe Sticks when he said that. I'm surprised. <laughs> Rory's your guy. Rory, where would you how would where would you state his current form? Better than perception. I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. He has been incredible T to green. I think that he comes in on, into this week a little bit under the radar. I think for Rory to win the Masters, it's going to have to be the perfect storm that it all comes together. We need a soft golf course. We have that. We need him under the radar. Everybody just saw him miss the cut at the Valero. All the hoopla is around Tiger this week. There is no buzz around him. Everybody thinks John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler. He is such an afterthought this week that he finally gets an opportunity to play this tournament and just go for broke with it. If he doesn't find success, nobody thought he was going to find success. If he does find success, all of a sudden, he does it with none of the, you know, the random buzz behind him on it. So I think the form's better than you think. I think this is the perfect course for him. He's a high ball flight hitter. I think on these soft greens, he should be able to stop the ball on this surface. And if you're going to tell me that the greens are a little bit softer over the first couple days, that should limit some of the three putt percentage problems that he has. So I think this is the perfect year for him to win this tournament with the way everything has played out. I love it. I mean, what a great story that would be if Rory finally takes the Masters this year of all years. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's interesting. That's a, that's a good pick. For me, I'm going to go a different move. I'm going to go a little strategic. I think there's a few guys at the top that I would be happy with. Um, I think, you know, value plays are what I'm going to prioritize here, making sure I can fill out a competitive roster of six. So with my first pick, I'm going to go ahead and take Matt Fitzpatrick. I love Damn the form. You, Joel. Damn. That's I was going with that on the turn. <laughs> I love the form he's been in this year. He's been playing just great golf. Um, four top tens in his last five starts. He has a history at the Masters that's good, not great. He doesn't have any top tens. Um, I don't think he has any top twenties, but he has a lot of top thirties and and forties and things like that. So I think he's a better golfer this year than he's been in the past. Uh, and kind of combination of that form now with the fact that he's competed here, he hasn't done poorly, uh, is a nice merge for someone who's 7,700. So 
that he finished top 10 his first time out back in 15 or 16. So, yeah, never missed a cut. So, uh, yeah, seventh in 2016. Uh, Nick, let me ask you this question Were you planning to take him on one of your first two selections? First pick, yep. Well, then he wasn't going to get back to me. So, I guess that makes me feel a little bit better. But really like the selection, Joel. I think it's a very sharp play. Thank you. I will say I also do. I have so far one outright and it's on Matt Fitzpatrick. So that's my play this week. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. All right, audience, you are on the clock. We need your, oh, it looks like you already have a, I love your, you know what, audience? I'm giving you guys a thumbs up. Great speed tonight. You know, it's Masters Week. You're on top of it. I'm proud of you. Pencil them in for DJ. I think it's a good pick. I, I think DJ's priced up for his, in my opinion. I think he's priced up for the form he's been in more recently. But in terms of this course, in terms of having someone that has a history of being able to compete here, a pedigree that's that can compete here, I think DJ has the upside to win this tournament without the ownership because of his price that's going to hurt you. So I think it's a really solid pick. I would agree with that assessment also. My model likes Dustin a lot this week. Uh, It just so happens to like Rory a little bit more. But I think that the softer conditions do play into Dustin's hands also. And I just want to throw this out there. This is how we saw him win. Granted, it was in the fall. You gave him softer conditions in 2020. He shoots 20 under par and he runs away with the thing. So I think that that's in play again. It's, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, he we've seen his, you know, the last two weeks, he, he, he got down to the final four in the match play tournament. Um, you know, he's been playing, you know, a bit better. I mean, his, his form is starting to round the shape. So maybe it's just a perfect storm of events coming in yeah. this week. Um, Nick, as your first pick on the draft cast and as a married man, I'm very excited to see what you come up with. Billy Horschel. <laughs> no, Billy Horschel. Oh God. Um, I'm going to go upper mid tier back to back here because I like what it does for the rest of my build. It easily fits Matt Fitzpatrick in it later. Thank you, Joel. Um, I'm going to go Xander Shoffley and on the turn, I'm going to go Patrick Hanley. Oh my god! I think these are guys that we're used to seeing in the in the mid 10k range. Ownership's not going to be crazy high this week at all, and they have tons of win equity. Both have very good history here. I know Cantley's kind of, you know, I'll wait to hear your guys' opinion on Cantley, but the upside I think is second to very few, especially in the 9k range. But I don't know. His game's been a little off the last couple of weeks, but I will always trust. Patrick Cantlay and then Xander Shoffley is my boy that never pays off for me. <laughs> but I just like that uh, that back-to-back mid-upper tier win equity that I get with both those players. I like that strategy this week in, in that, like, you know, it's it's not like super balanced. There's still pretty high-tiered guys, but, like, you're going to still get a pretty rounded-out roster with staying in the high sevens, low eights to finish off by going there and not get, dipping up into the 10K range. So, um, I like the way you're doing it. I think both guys have a lot of upside, which is obviously what you're looking for in a GPP tournament. So I think it's a good strategy. Yeah. And there's a couple guys I love in the 6K range that kind of will raise that average salary remaining too. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the builds that I'm looking for is one punt guy that I could trust and uh, maybe two. I don't know. We'll see what we do in this draft. It's a very unfortunate turn of events for me. One of Matthew Fitzpatrick. I wanted one of Xander or Patrick Cantley. I figured I could get one of them. None of them made it back to me. So going to be a little difficult spot i'm in right now it seems like the audience has a easy pick here they love this guy i do i'm a little confused because you guys are nominating early but i'm okay with that i like the speed it looks like it's kepka we're gonna get brooks is the pick it's just overwhelming amount of nominations 
Um, I told Jason I'd do a beer per round too, so you guys gotta slow it down. <laughs> you gotta start chugging. Um, again, the audience, I think this is a great start. You know, you will have to kind of come together and make sure you can round out this team with some of those, you know, more budget guys. But at the top, I think those are two guys with really high upside at this course. Yeah. All right, I'm on the clock. So as I am kind of fostering this draft, I actually wasn't paying attention. So let me come down here and make my next pick. I might stick to my strategy of staying budget. And before I go up top and start picking out guys um, that I that I really want to spend up on, I don't think I need to take. There's a guy I want that I think I'm, I can strategically wait on, which is something I was going to say, can the board afford him? That's a good question as well. Um, I, don't think, I don't think we can. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Joaquin Neiman. It's a similar <sighs> thought process as Matt Fitzpatrick. This is a guy who I think has much upside as a lot of the 9K range. Um, <laughs> you guys are just killing Spencer. I, <laughs> I mean, it's been every pick today. There has not been one pick. like, And Nick knows who I like this week. Like, I, I'm going to let you finish, so I don't want to cut you off here, but – uh, Joaquin Neiman's one of my outrights this week. I think he has a chance to win this tournament. And I'll yeah. let you talk about him uh, a little bit more. I think you're right. I think that's what Joaquin Neiman is. Like, he's, you know, not as safe as some of the top tier guys. Like, there is that potential that he gets you at 35th place or whatever it is. Uh, but he does have the upside, right? When Keen Neiman puts together a week, he can, you know, win this tournament, like you said. And the, the thing with the Masters is, you know, unlike other courses where guys can get hot, I just don't think there's a lot of guys – you know, below 7,500 that can win, right? And I think, you know, there's maybe 15 to 20 guys that really have a shot to compete here. So to be able to get, you know, you want to fill out your roster with a lot of guys who have that high top 10 upside. So that's what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to fill up as much of those as I can in the more budget ranges before I go up top and find the guys that we know are more likely to be able to be in that range. That makes sense. All right, I guess I will move us along with two picks. Unfortunately, I don't have one pick right now, so give me a second to try to figure out where I want to go with this. Take your time um, while you're thinking. Um, Nick, let me ask you. You and I, we're not going to give away your picks because, um, you know, obviously we still have a lot of draft to do, but how many guys, because you mentioned the 6K range, how many guys down there would you say you have in your player pool? This week, I will give you the exact number. I just built all my lineups. It is 34. How many guys in the 6K range do you have in your player pool? 6K range. Sorry, I don't know if I heard that. Uh, nine, but in my build rule, no two can be together. So okay. one minimum or one maximum per lineup, there's nine guys. I like three of them for whatever it's worth, but okay. I needed... Uh, the, the last one, I'm not going to draft him. I doubt anyone will. I had to squeeze in Mac Hughes, and I hate it, but I needed to. Spencer will know the guy I'm talking about, but like I ended up with like 20% of a guy that's going to be 0%. I was like, I can't, I can't do that. So I cut him to like 12, and I had to add a little bit of Mac Hughes, and I do not like Mac Hughes at all. But yeah, it's uh, nine guys, but if you guys use Optimizer or anything like that, I always like to make a rule. I call it the trash bin. I don't know if this helps anybody, but the trash bin is a rule I have. I put the guys in there that I think have severe miscut equity, and I have a rule that I could only play one of those guys per lineup. So I do not want two of the trash bin together. I don't know if that helps anybody, but it seemed to help me over the past couple of years, so I stick with it. Yeah, I, I think that – and I like Mackenzie Hughes. I, I know I talked about it a little bit on Better Golf Pod. 
not going to be playing a ton of him, but I do think that you can put him into lineups. Maybe the softer conditions end up hurting him a little bit. Uh, but there is upside to, I th- well, uh, relative upside to be had for him. Like if he came in the top 20 or 30, I don't think it would be a shock. Yeah, the putter can get hot. That's that's the only reason I put him in. Is like, okay, if he could find the green a little bit, the putter can get hot. Just make the cut at that price is all you need. Yeah. All right, guys. I, I will make a selection right now. And this is not what I was planning to do at all with this. Um, with my first pick, I don't know where you were planning to go, Joel. I could be going up top and getting a player that you might have wanted. I think I'm probably the only person that could take him from you. I'm going to take Justin Thomas and just go a little bit more boom or bust with this lineup than I was hoping for. I really wanted the players like Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, Joaquin Neiman. There was a lot of those mid $7,000, low $8,000 players that I wanted to get into my pool. If I'm not able to go that route now, give me the two guys at the top that I think have some of the best win equity in this tournament. And on the spot, I'm going to try to figure out how to round out this lineup and do it in a fashion that makes sense. So with the next play, I have to drop down a little bit. It's more ownership than I would technically like to take on, but there's a lot I like about him this week. Um, there's If you have an offshore book, there are books where you can get him top 40. He has good course history at this tournament. He has four top 34s in his last four attempts. As I said, ownership's a little bit higher than I would want, but I am going to take Siwoo Kim at 7,100. I like it. Yeah, Siwoo Kim is definitely a uh, a GPP play for me, but like you said, he has upside. And we've seen when, G- when Siwoo Kim puts a week together, uh, he competes, right? He can he can play a, as a lead at golf with the best of them. So I think he's definitely a good tournament pick. Yeah, I have a little bit more ownership on this lineup than I was ideally hoping to have. Uh, Thomas is going to be very popular. Siwoo is going to be very popular in the low $7,000 range. I assume at some point I'm going to have to try to find a contrarian play, but you know, I guess we'll see where it ends up going. And you know, with the Masters week, like I think we were talking about this a little bit before the show, nobody's that highly owned. Even at the highest ownership, it's maybe low 20. So, you know, you don't want to take all the highest owned guys, but for the most part, you can pretty much feel free to play well. As long as you get a different, at least in one or two spots, you should be okay this week. That's true. All right. So I'm going to stick to my theme. Now, I'm going to take a guy who I normally don't like. I rarely play. I just think there's a lot of stars aligning for him this week. And, if, again, back to my theme of trying to find value guys. He's coming into this tournament in really strong form for who he is. He has a pretty good history here. Now, he hasn't played here in a few years, but – from in my opinion, he's in the best form he's been in uh, since playing this tournament. And I'm going to take Russell Henley. Um, again, this is a guy who's just, you know, it's the recent form. He's been playing really well. Uh, I think you're getting him in his best golf, and he's done well here in the past. And again, at 7,800, re- I really like how I'm rounding out my lineup where I can start to get in the more expensive range now with comfort in, in, my, in my value picks. Yeah, I think you've taken three guys that have – very high made cut equity to them. I love it. All right. Audience, again, your pick is already in. I am listen, audience might be win the MVP for drafting tonight because honestly, you're doing a great job on top of things. See, we're on uh draft night. Pick is in, it's Gary Woodland, and it's a good pick for where you guys are. You need to find some value. A lower price guy. Gary Woodland's form has been really good, and it's not just been a week, it's been a, at least a month or so dating back to the Florida swing. He's been playing really well um, in, in the 6K range. 
Um, a guy with experience on this course, I think that's a really solid pick. I, I don't. I I know Nick has an opinion on Gary Woodland. If if you would like to give one before I do. Yeah, I mean it's it's the recent form for me. It's sixty nine hundred and a guy with win equity. I know there's like Joel said earlier, there's not many under seventy five hundred that could win. I think Gary Woodland's one of them. I don't think highly on that, but if Gary Woodland, well, let's say someone that finished top five, if we're talking the six K range, there's always a couple weird guys that finished top ten or top five at the Masters. Gary Woodland would not surprise me at all. I like his game. He's long off the tee. The approach is getting much better. He's making putts. Like I, I think it's a really good course fit for him. He's probably going to be insanely popular at that price because he's got the name equity of Gary Woodland. But I don't know. I like the pick. I was actually he was on my list to take second on my next pick. So uh, I need to readjust. The only thing I don't love is the course history has not been good for him here. Missed cut in 2015, missed cut in 2017, missed cut in 2018, 32nd in 2019, missed cut in 2020, and then the 40th in 2021. So uh, through those six results, he doesn't have anything better than a top 32. Do you need much better than that, though, at 6,900? It's kind of like Fitz, like what Joel did with Fitz at 7,700. If he just finishes 35th, that's great you avoided a landmine at the 7k range someone that will miss the cut i'm sure will be in that price range but i just look at it that way can gary make the cut and i think it's a really good chance he does if you think he can make the cut then yes i will agree with that um i don't know if i necessarily believe he's going to like i think fitzpatrick's in a different zone because not only oh, certainly, do, certainly not only do I believe agree he, too yeah and, and and not only is he going to make the cut most likely he does have top 10 potential to him like I don't know where I actually think Gary Woodland's going to finish in um, at 10 and a half, 11 and a half, 12%. You know, yeah. it does start getting a little bit worrisome if he doesn't make the weekend. And, and you guys the, are, oh, sorry, go ahead, Joel. I, was, I agree. I think you made a really good point. My only counter is what I was saying earlier in that I think if you look at just course history and try and build out the field, you're not going to come up with the, 40 guys, right? There's not 40 no. guys here that have a really strong course history because, like I said, of the changing of the guard right now, right? There, a lot of those old guys are kind of getting washed up. The new guys are becoming, they just don't have the history. So there is going to have to be some sort of shift in somebody moving up in terms of history because it just doesn't exist. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So, for in our group chat that we always talk about offline, the rule is we don't play low tier chalk is Gary Woodland at 12% low tier chalk or would you say or maybe a guy like Thomas Peters at 6600 he's going to be in similar ownership is that considered low tier chalk are you only deciding like 15% and above at that price range because like in to me like now that Spencer talks about it like I don't know if there's any leverage to playing Gary Woodland in anything other than cash in my model Woodland is the I'm scrolling through the names right now I believe he is the highest owned guy I have in the $6,000 range. He's higher than Peters now? Um, according to my numbers, yes. So what are your thoughts on that then? Yeah, I mean, it's, listen, I think you have to think about this. I mean, there's twofold, right? I think, like we said before, you can get creative and how you get, if you have other low ownership and you want to find a value guy there, you can do that. But, um, also think about the tournament you're playing on DraftKings. If you're going after the $15 millionaire with all those people, you don't want to play a highly owned 6K guy because that's going to be tough to differentiate yourself. So if you're playing a smaller single entry, I think he's probably you know fine for that. But um, if you're going for the big dog, it probably doesn't make sense. 
And it does get difficult once you get down to like 7,000 and below. There's a lot of landmines that you're going to have to avoid. For sure. For sure. All right, Mr. Nick, Sticks Picks, you are on the clock. All right, Spencer could probably tell you who I'm taking again because we've been on shows all day. I'm going to go with someone that right now is projected to be under 5% owned and has a top five finish. All right, you guys already got it. <laughs> Sun JM, yep, that is going to be my guy. A Georgia native, the iron play has been bad this season, but around the green, he's a magician. He's great on bent grass putting, especially fast greens. So I'm going to go with Sunjay M. He is one of my favorite GPP flyers this week. If you're going to play a lot of chalk, I think a guy like Sunjay M, especially like the pivots in that area, I would believe. I don't know. Do we go this in depth on the show or am I overdoing it here? I'm just no, trying to good. buy myself some time from taking this next beer. <laughs> um, but like you see Adam Scott going to be like 12 to 15% owned. You see Joaquin Neiman, love him, but 15% owned. Tony Finau is not very high, so I wouldn't really say that that's a pivot, but I really like Sanjay M in that price range because everybody up there in that AK range, even Hatton, is going to be around 10% owned. And then you get a guy like Sanjay M who has been a proven winner on tour at 5%, maybe even less as we see the day go on tomorrow. But Sanjay M is going to be my uh, my difference maker, I think. I mean, he may suck, and that's fine. Like, if, But if you go 15 20% of your lineups with a guy like Sanjay M in kind of the way that I'm building this here, I have – I've strongly believe I have three guys that could easily win this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I like the approach there. I think you have, uh, like you said, I think similar you're, you're building a solid core of guys who are going or going to compete in this tournament. All right. Next pick. Oh man. It was going to be Gary Woodland because I was going to kind of offset that. So now I got to hit the drawing board. While you're thinking, we're also going to need an update on how many beers you've gotten down because we're supposed to get a, one, a beer around, and so I'm yeah. not sure if I've counted that many. We just okay, got three. all right, all right. <laughs> I'm on number four, so I'm trying to stay ahead of the pace here. Well, hopefully, these picks will eventually start getting worse. Oh, gosh, Spencer, I hate it, but I need someone with some course history. Give me Webb Simpson. Ah. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can possibly round out this lineup right now. I really like the web pick. That was the guy I was considering with my last pick between him and Henley. Um, again, you there's there's certain guys you, you kind of have to fade here, and Webb's not one of the ones. A guy who's shown he can play this course. He you know for a guy at seventy five hundred, you know there's, there's obviously risk win equity, baby. But you know there's win equity. You know there's upside with Webb. So I think when you're fishing for seventy five hundred value. Webb is definitely someone that I'm going to be considering as well. Yeah, I think his ownership's sub 10% too. Spencer, what do you got on the model now? Uh, let me look. We'll wait for Steve's article tomorrow. That's pretty much my Bible at the end of the at the end of all my tinkering. I just need to read his article on Wind Daily Sports, and then it's like, all right, we're good or we're not. Yeah, eight point three sub ten. I'm going to love Webb Simpson. Yeah, eight eight point three right now. And, and I will let me follow up with what Nick said. Steve's article is the most accurate ownership article we get all week and you're going to find. So tune in tomorrow, look at the ownership. And that's going to be especially important this week, understanding where you can find leverage. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, audience, you know, round of applause, just excellent job. Draft pick speed, nominations all around audience. You're the real MVP, honestly. Uh, but the pick is in Adam Scott. And you know what? I really like how much you're all in agreement. I mean, it's literally the only guy even nominated for this pick. Everyone was wanted Adam Scott. So, 
you guys are really uh, on the same page as an audience. You've built out so far a pretty balanced roster. You have two picks in the mid 7K range to finish. The challenge you're going to have is we've really been kind of picking at the 7K range already, so you're starting to get limited in options. Had you been able to pick from the entire field, you'd be in good shape. Now you got to get creative, but there's still some guys out there that that you'll be able to uh, to get to, to run out your squat nice and. Yeah, I kind of like Adam Scott a little bit. Like Nick and I had this conversation also that there's a lot of guys in the lower $8,000 range that both of us might like a little bit more, but I don't have anything negative to say about him. He's a former winner here. Like there is upside to be had with him. I do think that the short game is so much better than it used to be. Like he can get hot with the putter now. And that's something that, you know, we didn't see for a bunch of years with him. So uh, I don't have a problem with the play whatsoever. I love it. All right. So I'm back on the clock. It's time for me to take someone a little higher priced. Uh, I'm going to start rounding out my squad. And funny enough, what landed to me, you know, I wasn't planning on going this route, but it's kind of how it felt with who you guys took. I'm actually going to take the most, the highest owned golfer probably in the field, which is Cam Smith. I mean, Cam Smith, I think, has been playing great. He certainly has upside to win the tournament. And I'm getting him at still, I mean, barely, but still sub 10K, which allows me to still kind of really round out my roster. So um, I really like Cam Smith this week, you know, from a GPP perspective. I'm not sure how many shares of him I'm going to have because there's the catch 22 of he has that upside and he's still sub 10K, but he has, you know, 23% ownership, which is a little high for this field. So um, I, I'm determined, still determined on how, where I'm going to play him in GPPs, but for the draft, I really like him as a pick here. From the uh, the MME player in me, do you think that is too much ownership for a guy like him? Because it is like the one downside of his game is right. He doesn't hit a lot of fairways. You don't really need to do that at Augusta. And he's very good at scrambling. So like, what is the weak spot of his game when he's a lights out putter? Great around the green, a good iron put. Like I was telling myself this, like I, I easily I like right when I saw 25% give or take at the ownership projection, I just wanted to take him out. That is what I did with Corey Connors for whatever it's worth. But I, I saw him I was like, I just don't see how he doesn't finish top 20. And I know we probably want more at 9,900, but the way I'm building my lineups, I will be different elsewhere. So I could have some leverage to get me up there, but I just, I don't see anything bad about Cam Smith's game to fit at Augusta here. And he's been so well here. I just, I don't know. Well, for me, I feel, like, I feel like he should be 30% owned, 35% owned when he's sub 10 K like that, but I don't know. I'm playing it the same as you. I think because yeah. you have to rely so much on history here and there's going to be ownership at some of those guys that have done well here. My idea is I'm going to put a cap on total lineup ownership. So in those lineups, I'm going to play some of those higher owned guys. I'm just going to make sure that when I have them, I have some leverage in other areas. in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Spencer, Cam. I, uh, well, I guess the only other negative to say about Cam I like him. He's number one in my model. It's a very slight hit, but it's just worth noting if we are trying to find a reason not to play him. Maybe the distance, maybe he doesn't have the required distance to win this tournament if it's softer. Uh, if he's not getting the rollouts and he's a little bit further back than everybody else. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with the overall sentiment with it. Like he should be 30% owned and he's the number one player in my model. His short game is superb. And when we saw him in softer conditions in the fall, he came in second. So that point doesn't really make sense based off of that. And I don't really think there's anything negative to say about him other than the ownership. And if that's the only negative you can find, you can always get different in other spots. Yeah. And his long irons are so good too. So whatever he lacks off the tee, I think he's 
just fine. Like, I mean, his par five scoring is so damn good too. So he finds a way to get there. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to say this. We are not, we, I haven't made one of these selections, but you guys have eaten apart that like mid 7,000 higher $7,000 range. I would have really liked Webb. I would have, I, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of players I would have liked. I probably can't afford one of them. I would have liked Fitzpatrick. I would have liked Henley. I'm going to do something that I didn't plan on doing here. And I'm going to leave myself in a uh, precarious position at the very bottom. If you look at how much money I have left, this might not be the route that you would initially think I'm going to go, but I'm going to take two $8,000 golfers and it should leave me in the mid $6,000 range to close it. So the first player I will take is Terrell Hatton at 8,000. Um, Look, the course history has been volatile, but it's kind of to the point that what Joel said, he finally showed some life at this tournament last year coming 18th place. He's fourth in my model when looking at his current form, the ninth at the match play, the 21st at the Valspar, two top 13s at the API and the players. I think that the form is really good for him right now. I think the ownership at 11% is perfectly fine. And the same thing with the other player that's going to be 11% owned. And maybe the form isn't quite where I want it to be, but he showed some life at the Valero. He showed a little bit of life in his round three match against Xander. I'm going to take Tony Finau based off of the course history we've seen from him. Three top tens in four career attempts. We know he has the length. He's going to have to clean up the around the green game. That has been troublesome week after week. It's not the spot where you want to run into a problem there. But if it is softer over the first two days, let's get through the into the weekend and then let's go from there. So... Uh, that's going to kind of only give me a few options to play with at the bottom, but it's hard. It's only a 90 person tournament. And like, that's something that's worth noting when we have four of us drafting here, it's going to quickly eat up a lot of these players. You're right. Yeah. Especially here, right? Cause I think someone in the, in the chat and the, made a really good comment in that essentially it's, you know, 70 golfers, right? Maybe less. So exactly, uh, the ownership is going to be higher. Uh, you're going to have to kind of, especially with this draft, you're going to have to make some of these tough decisions right now. Spencer's going to draft Patrick Harrington. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm back. You know, I'm going to take a guy who I feel like is super underpriced this week. Now it's a very risky pick because I don't know how healthy he is. No, not the big cat. No, no, no. Um, but uh, you know, he withdrew. He, he he had a great showing at the players. Then he got hurt at the match play. Paul Casey, you know, can certainly, if he's healthy, he can top 10 here. Definitely. I mean, the concern is, is he healthy, right? He could he could barely swing at the match play, which was two weeks ago. He says he's healthy. That's where I'm taking my pick. I'm taking his word for it. He says he feels good. So um, I think he's here. He's playing. He says he's feel good. That's If he does, this price is way too low on him, right? If he's healthy... He shouldn't be priced in this. I think he should be in the mid-8s. So I really love the value. I'm just really taking the risk on, on his health. Yeah, and as far as the match play is concerned, I'm sure he pulled out of that tournament to not get hurt for the Masters. So it may be less of an injury than we think it is. I mean, obviously it was enough to pull him out of the tournament, but if he says he's healthy, sometimes you have to trust the player for what they're saying. Yeah, and that's that's where I am here. I'm just going to take him at his word and, and hope so. Audience, you're on the clock. We're going to get your nominations in now. We already got one, uh, but we do have a few comments. So I want to just kind of go through some of the comments here um, and answer some of the questions. I did see a question for me. What's the total ownership you want to go over? 
Um, that's a good question. Probably a hundred percent. So I want, you know, you don't want, I mean, that's still pretty high. I think you could probably go lower, you know, 80 or 90. Um, I think I want a majority of my lineups probably closer to under, but if I have a couple at the top that are, you know, at 90 something percent, I'll be okay with it just because it's really this week that, you know, it's the guys that we know are popular that do well here are the ones that you're going to want to target. So that's how I'm looking at it. It'll be a little higher than me normally. I'm probably normally more closer to 80%, but for this week, I'm going to give it a little bit more leeway. Um, all right, audience, who do we have here? We have, we have a few. We have Leishman. Slow and, down, guys. Come on now. Yeah, what happened? You guys were doing so well, and now we've hit a lag. So we oh, slow one, down. I, we I need one more double. Counted these. Sticks, now that he's married, can't keep up, right? He's got to slow down. We used to be able to drink with the best of them. We get it, Sticks. It's okay. This is not the new guard. I am still the course history. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ooh, an interesting one. Robert Mack, who is known to to like playing here. Um, You know, I don't know about his upside. I don't love his upside, but I do think he's someone who's a value pick that can compete. Um. Charlie, we need clarity from you. You mentioned Tommy, but I think you're just talking about him in the, in the context of Billy Ho. I don't think that was a nomination for you. So it looks like the second is going to go to Leishman for the audience. So, again, good pick. You know, I think he's – your price is right. My concern with Leishman is his current form. He has been playing great. But at 7,300, I think he is a guy in the seventh year range that has upside. You know, he, he can certainly find that at this course where – uh, you know, just it's a magical place. He's done well here before, so I think it's a solid pick for for where you guys are at. Oh my god, you guys cleaned me out so much here. <laughs> All right, sticks. You are on the clock with your final two picks. Can I ask for advice? You, you yeah. want to ask the audience, like, uh, yeah, okay. I do want to ask. Yeah, let's get the okay. audience involved here. All okay. right, so my options here. What I really wanted to do is go Harold Varner. And then I wanted somebody like Joaquin Neiman, Tony Finau, or Tyrrell Hatton, and they're all gone. So, and Henley would be my next guy, and then Fitzpatrick would be my next guy. I do like Fleetwood a lot, so I'm interested in Fleetwood, but I could go up market a little bit here. This will be audience's choice. It's going to be a combo. So, I want... My model loves Sam Burns. I know it's a first-time starter. We know how they do. You know, they don't win, but I don't need him to win. I got Well, actually, I do. I think if I put Sam Burns on here, I have five guys on my lineup that have win equity, and no one is in better form in the PGA right now than Sam Burns. But if I do that, I have to play Old Man Kitchen Sink or Lucas Herbert would be the only other two. So Herbert would be my choice. So it's Herbert and... Sam Burns or Tommy Fleetwood and Harold Varner. And I'm leaving a lot on the table. This board. I mean, I know we keep reiterating the same exact sentiments over and over again. This board got so thin so quickly. I think I, I like the burn. Like I'm okay with Herbert. When I was talking about like player profiles, most of the time, like you go look at all the stats, you guys got your own time and research, but it's like a well-rounded golfer with distance wins this, wins this tournament all the time. But when Bubba did it, it was just 
he he made the course so short and he was so good with his iron play and he made putts. That was it. He wasn't really good around the green or anything like that. And I feel like Herbert can shorten this course a little bit again, especially if it rains. So I want I can't I did look at Lowry, but I can't afford Lowry. Then I'm going down to 6,300 and I won't do that. So it's got to be. I think I want to go Burns and I guess I'll go a 1% on Lucas Herbert. And then that's kind of my very contrarian plays is Sunjay and Herbert. And then I have guys I could win. And I, don't, I, th- I think that's my move. Can I throw one thing out there? You could throw you? five things out there if you want. So what, what, about, what about Cam Davis? So can I afford, I can't afford him if I play Sam Burns. Not if you the play only, The only guy I want left in this field that hasn't been taken. I'm not going to. Oh, can I cuss on here or no? <laughs> I was going to say, just, you know, fuck it. Give me Tiger and then I can play, but I don't know. If you I take want... Tiger, you're the man of the people. All right, people, we can go Tiger and Cam Davis or we're going Sam Burns and Lucas Herbert. And you have, you have 15 seconds. I'll try to get a lot of this beer done in that time. Tiger, Cam Davis, or Sam Burns, Lucas Herbert. I'm going to be honest with you. If you take Tiger, I'm going to be upset. (laughs) (laughs) You got enough money for him. I'm going to, yeah, I would not. Tiger and Davis, they've spoken. Let's go do it. Oh, man. I was like 100% sure no one was going to take him. I was saving him for my last pick. I had a whole thing planned for it, and now I'm just crushed. Crushed. Well, so Cam Davis is. Similar to Lucas Herbert, he's not obviously nearly in good, as good a form, but I don't know. He's going to be 0% owned. I talked about him a lot on the Better Golf Pod, so if you want to tune in there and get a little more input, he's certainly a guy that should miss this cut, but it's I, he tears up par fives. He's terrible around the green, but he is good on fast bent grass, so I don't know. If he could just make birdies on par fives and he struggles on par fours and par threes a little bit, I think he could find, you know, his way to even minus one, minus two, make the cut. That's all I needed to do, Cam. Make the cut, buddy. And then I hate the Tiger pick so much, but you can still change it if you want. I don't have much any money left. Well, you could go back both of them if you want. No, do it. Okay. It was going to be Sam Burns and Herbert would be my choice, but the audience has spoken. So let's do it. Unless Joel, do you really want Tiger that bad? I, did, then I, would. Well, I, I don't want to fugazi the draft at your pick. I did want him. I'm upset about it, but all right, give me Burns and Herbert. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm a cop out there. All right, I'm not going to complain, but I wasn't going to make you do that. I tried so hard to get you off of Herbert. I tried so <laughs> hard to make it work. Yeah, I do. I do not like it at all, but I like the other five. Wow, audience coming back with a vengeance on their last pick. Can they afford? They can afford Connors, right? That he's six seventy six hundred. Yeah, to the T. Yes. All right, that's a good pick. I mean, that's a great way to round up the crowd. Listen, I think so far, I think we have two solid squads in, and and like like Spence said, I think it's a it's drafting six teams is tough, and it's kind of a thin field. Uh, but I think you know so far, I like the looks of both of these squads that are already in. I think the audience, Nick, you did a really good job. Uh, I got Lucas Herbert. I like the audiences a little bit more. They have, I think they have six guys that could win this tournament. That's yeah, you, that's you something really... that when I'm building my lineup, I want that win equity across the board. <laughs> Lucas Herbert just scares me on that one a lot. But hey, he yeah. can make the course short. We want bombers. Go ahead, buddy. 
You know, what I was going to say is I think what's what's fair is, again, like you say, you take one guy that you're kind of taking a shot on, and that's what you do in GPPs. That guy hits, you're in a really good position. Uh, and it's important. you got to be consistent, right? This is not the tournament to start taking a lot of shots. You take one, it could hit. The, the audience, you guys were very safe lineup. I really like your lineup more in, in a smaller tournament or cash. But either way, I mean, it, it's the Masters. So um, I think, you know, this lineup can definitely compete. That's six guys that are that are competing in this tournament for sure. I was going to say, you you moved Dustin Johnson to JT, and you have pretty much the optimal cash lineup probably in, uh, for the audience here. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, I, you guys already know my pick. I'm taking Tiger. I, I wanted Tiger. I was planning to take Tiger with my last pick for, for a while. Um, I believe it. Listen, at the end of the day, this is the greatest golfer of all time. Right? That's, that's almost undebatable. Um, obviously he's coming off an, a severe injury, which is, you know, it, it was questionable if he'd be able to play or walk, but I'm buying this, right? I mean, if you watched him talk today and I know it's Tiger, that's how he always sounds. He sounded pretty confident in his golf swing, right? I mean, it was, can he walk for four days is the question mark, his ability to hit the ball. And I think Freddie Couples said it, some other guys that watched him hit the ball, every shot that he hit was blush. He was putting on a clinic around the greens. I mean, Tiger Woods is one of the most skilled golfers the maybe the most skilled golfer that ever lived. So if you're going to do something magical, if someone's going to do something magical or special, it's Tiger Woods at Augusta, right? That's where it's going to happen. This is the course. This is the opportunity to do it. This is the tournament. Uh, and the eyesight that we're, I mean, I, I'm not there, but eyesight, what I'm hearing from people that are there, he looks great, right? Like he's hitting the ball flush. Um, I'm excited for him. I mean, is he going to wear down walking this course for four days? Probably. There are other concerns about that, definitely. But we also saw Tiger Woods win a tournament on one knee, right? And that you know, we that happened, and that was one of the more impressive things I've ever seen. So we know he can battle through adversity and compete. So I love Tiger. I, I'm probably overly excited for him, but I'm going to take him with my last pick to round out the squad. You got to have fun with it with Tiger too. If he competes, then all of a sudden you have a fun weekend on your hands. Exactly. I, I don't know. Nick, do you want to say anything to the Tiger Woods thing? I don't. I just, he doesn't grade out very well for me at all. But yeah, like Joel said, like, how can you ever doubt this guy? He is, he's Tom Brady of golf. He's arguably a, a better athlete than Tom Brady, I guess, for his sport. But uh, it scares me. I wish he was priced at like 7,700 or below. I was like, then I'll, I'll take, you know, 10, 15% of them. But 8,500, there's just, so many other guys I would rather choose than him. And it breaks my heart to say that. But I think the the gambler in me is like, okay, if I have $0 invested in Tiger Woods, DFS betting, everything, if he wins, I think I'd still be happy. So if I get cleaned out sure. and then he wins on Sunday, it's like, hey, we had a good week, you know, Tiger won. <laughs> but now I have a joint bank account, so I don't know if that's <laughs> how this works anymore. So I don't know. That's I don't know. I just I have no I have no faith in him, I think. Zero. Yeah, I don't see how he can hand like if he was just saying like weeks ago he started walking the beach every single day to get in shape. Like that's still not Augusta. That's still not golfing four days in a row. That's still not playing you know seventy four hundred yards or whatever it's going to actually play out to. So I don't it like 
the like you said, the old guard. I don't want to. Uh, Tiger is part of the old guard, but these guys are so much better than the golfers that Tiger was beating up 15 years ago. Like across the board, you got guys like Sam Burns that was probably the second best player in the world if he was playing right now 15 years ago. So I look at it that way. These guys, every single player that we think has win equity in this field grew up mimicking their game off of Tiger, working as hard as Tiger. So I don't know. I, I just don't think he walks into this field and, and beats 30 of the most skilled golfers in the world. That's my take, but I, I would love it if he wins. Financially, it'll probably be a bad weekend for me. My only counter to Tiger being a maybe, and I'm definitely trying to sell myself on it because I definitely understand all the crazy rest involved with playing Tiger this week. The only counter that would be everyone knows that this is a crazy risk, right? Like, you know, can he hold up for four days is the huge unknown. And I still don't even think you're going to get the like, typical like well what's the word people use like the the vacation or ownership guys who just come in and play three laps and they want to play tiger woods because they like him like i don't think you're going to get that like he you're, you're probably gonna get some three percent ownership maybe like, no one's gonna play him at 8500 so if the miracle does happen right and talk about a differentiator there's one way to do it where it's like you know having a guy who maybe can get you a top five and you know really getting zero ownership in a really big I think that's the interesting thing that you just pointed out because yeah, whether it's Sam Burns, uh, Adam Scott, Joaquin Neiman, the Finau Hatton route, I think anybody who does this at any regularity is not going to go to Tiger Woods and it might create some leverage to be had. And, and that's always a good thing. So if he's going to be overpriced, you would rather have that than a 7,200 version of him where everybody decides to take a shot. I, I think at 8,500, most people won't want to go there and it at least creates leverage for you. What was his price at 19? Does anybody remember that? Is there archives that show that? I, I don't remember, but I could, I could look it up. What I, I want to say it was like low nines. If I remember correctly. While, uh, while Spence, if you're picking, I can actually, I think I can find it. So give it, me it yeah, I can. If you can't find it, I'll try to find a past model of mine to. Um, I was going to say, if anything, Spencer's library on his computer is going to have it. He but was I, actually. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't say the price here. I was going to say 9200 is my guess. And obviously, that was a lot less of a physical ailment back then, but. That doesn't say the price. I'll, I'll make a pick really fast just uh, as oh, you guys are looking that up. But. I wish I had a hundred dollars more. I would have liked Harold Varner. I would have liked Thomas Peters. I'm not going to be able to go those two routes. Take my I, boy. Uh, he's on the table. Like, so there's <laughs> only here. I'll run through the players that are of value for me. It would be Cam Davis. It would be Ryan Palmer. It would have been Lucas Herbert. He would have been the biggest value. Um, can't take him now. Stuart Sink. Mackenzie Hughes. I mean, technically Danny Willett, but that's starting to get way on the wrong side of things. Um, Fred Couples. I don't know if he's going to make the cut. Bernard Langer seems to make this cut. Um, you know, the he, has a couple, <laughs> he has a 29th in 2020, 38th in 2018, 24th in 2016. I don't want to go that route. I, I do kind of like him as a golfer, though. I think that, I mean, the way that he has been able to just keep performing on his tour is incredible at the, I mean, he's the tiger woods of that tour, but 
I'm going to go a route that I never envisioned when I started this show. And I guess at least it doesn't make me a liar for what I said a second ago when I told Nick about this guy. Give me Mackenzie Hughes at 6,300. I don't know exactly what the upside is. I mean, there's a lot of things on my model that it's not going to like with him. Uh, he came 40th here last year. I don't know. I mean, like it's slim pickings. Like I'm going to have to make a decision and it's, it's either him or probably Cam Davis were the two most logical choices. I just think with Mackenzie Hughes, I have a better chance of making the cut. I think Cam Davis is going to be very volatile this week, which isn't a bad thing. I don't think that that's necessarily uh, a negative with it. I just think Mackenzie Hughes is more likely to get through the cut. And if that happens, you know, Rory, Thomas, Hatton, I think I have three guys that can win there. And then I, I do think with Siwoo Kim and Finau, I have top 10 or 20 potentials there. Yeah, I think, listen, I think for this field, we we came up with some very competitive lineups. This looks like a really good draft. Audience, please chime in. Uh, before you do, hit the like button. Give us a follow. Subscribe. goes a long way. Let us know who won the draft. Who's your favorite team? You know, I think the audience has the safest team. They got a really good-looking team in terms of upside. Ooh, I think there's a – I think everyone's team's got a lot of upside here. I like all the teams here. We got uh, a Tiger Price update, too, in the comments there. We do ten five. I would have That's never five. guessed it was ten five. Holy shit! I, I what I was gonna say before when we started looking that up is a very. I remember back then, even still, everyone still loved Tiger so much, and he was so healthy that like he was just inflated. Even in betting markets, everything just he was still Tiger, and so everything was inflated, right? And he would still always be the highest priced guy and numbers, and he'd be over owned just because he was Tiger Woods. So at least we're not getting that anymore. Right? So that was a little bit different. Um, but it's going to be an exciting week. I mean, the coverage, this is the Super Bowl of golf. If you're watching the show, you know that already. It's the most exciting week in golf. Um, get your lineups out there. Get your bets out there. You're, you're going to have a lot of fun following the, the golfers this week, the coverage. Uh, weather will be interesting, so definitely tune in. Make sure you have an understanding of tee times, what the weather looks like. But before we wrap up today, we still have our first-round leaders, and we have our outrights. And we're going to hit you with those. We're going to start in the first-round leader market. Spence, do you want to kick us off? We don't have Sia, who has been on an absolute tear with the first-round leaders, which is just, like, shockingly amazing. If you are follow us, get into Discord. I'm sure Sia will drop in his first-round leader plays there or on Twitter. Uh, but for tonight, Spence, who are you looking at in the first-round leader market? I'm boycotting the first-round leader market with Sia not being here. Can I use my time for something else very quickly? Of course. So I was able, I, I know that it was uh, written into the chat that Tiger Woods was 10,500, but just to throw it out there, number one golfer was Rory McIlroy at 11.6, Dustin Johnson, 11.3, Nick's boy, Justin Rose, 10,800, Tiger Woods was, <laughs> Tiger Woods was 10,500, <laughs> and then the guy who probably should have won the tournament, Jason Day, 9,100. So just interesting prices to throw out there. And Tiger Woods that week was... Uh, number six in my model. We got another comment here from Ivan. He was 14 to one to win that week. Yes, he was 14. He was the, um, That's insane. so Rory was six to one. Dustin was 10 to one. Rose was 12 to one. And then Tiger and Rom were both 14 to one. I, I, the one I'm big, most surprised about is Rose. I felt like Rose wasn't, was a, Rose was still an elite golfer in 2019. His course history entering that week. So in 2018, he had come in 12th, 2017, second, uh, 2016, 
2015 second and 2014 14th. Uh, yeah, I mean, there. I guess there was a lot to like about him. I don't know about at a 12 to one number, but yeah, uh, yeah the course history was great. Uh-huh. And the current form entering the week, he had won. I don't know what tournament was. I did my model a little differently back then, but uh, he had won a tournament three weeks prior to that. And he also had come in the top 10 three other times. So yeah, he was coming in a pretty good form then. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, all right. I love it. Nick, how about you? You got anyone in the first round leader market? I'm not worthy now. <laughs> first, I, I don't know if I've ever hit a first round leader. Ever. We can't disrespect the first round leader market. And Sia wins every time. Like, wow, well, I don't even. And it's fair. Sia does win every time, which kind of makes us feel like we're almost cheating on Sia by even making plays. And, you know, he's the winner. We're going to count these half, half ass picks that aren't going to win. So I'm just going to give one, right? And I pretty much told you who it is already. Listen, if you're going to play, I'm, I can't help my excitement for Tiger being back. I just can't help it. He, I, I feel like we're going to get something special. If he can't compete for four days, which is a very, very likely possibility that he can't compete for four days. I certainly think he's going to compete for one. If he's playing, it's for a reason. He truly thinks he can compete. So give me a first-round leader. Maybe he comes up firing day one, starts off with a low number. Maybe he kind of slows down over the course of the week. But I'll take a shot at 45-1 to one on the greatest golfer of all time and what will be surely the uh, story for the ages for people to talk and write about. So at least you'll have fun on Thursday for something to root for. I don't have the price in front of me right now. I will give one just to have, you know, something to give in on the show. But uh, give me Joaquin Neiman at whatever price he is. I can tell you. I can tell you. Give me one second. Joaquin Neiman, 55 to 1. So you're actually getting a better number on him than Tiger. Uh, that's, that's a good number. That's a, that's a really good number on Joaquin Neiman. So there you have it. Some first-round leader plays. Some fun. All right, I got one. I got one. I got one. Here we go. There we go. Nick, who you got? Give me Tommy Fleetwood, 55 to 1. I like I the Fleetwood it. call too. Early tea time should be receptive greens. Go get. I it. I think that's the range to target for first round leader. I think those are the guys that are, you know, very competitive still in this field, but that's still getting a pretty juicy number at 50, 55 to one. So there's a few guys in this range that I think are attractive between the guys we listed: Neiman, uh, even Casey Webb Simpson, sixty to one Fleetwood. Uh, I think those are the types of bets I like for in the first round leader market. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. All right, now the outrights. Um, we're gonna wrap up here. Spence, you want to kick us off in the outright market? Yeah, I grabbed Rory McIlroy at twenty-one to one yesterday on FanDuel. I've seen as high as twenty-two to one. If you shop around, he's as low as twenty to one at some books. But really like Rory. I think he gets the job done this week. I have a ticket that's standing from a little while ago, and I'm gonna mention it just because I wouldn't be shocked if the number ends up drifting here at some point, and you're not that far off to begin with, but. I did grab Patrick Cantlay at 28 to one during his hot run at the end of the 2021 season. I think at 25 to one or higher, you can certainly take a shot with him. I took Joaquin Neiman at 65 to one. That was on DraftKings yesterday. I'm not so sure that that still sets at that number. I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, Tony Finau, 80 to one. That was a points bet number yesterday. I saw that that dropped Terrell Hatton, 95 to one. That was a fan duel price. And then Siwoo Kim at 110 to one. That was the very first wager that I made this week. I love it. I love it. Nick, how about you? Who you got in the outright market? So I tailed the Rory pick. Then I went Victor Hovland 22 to one on points bet. Sam Burns 50 to one on DraftKings. And Sunjay M 75 to one on DraftKings. I love it. And for me, I'm going to wrap us up. I like. 
Uh, as I mentioned already in the show, my 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 first bet in was Matt Fitzpatrick at fifty five to one. Um, I also like in the kind of relatively smaller field the, another person we mentioned a lot on the show, Joaquin Neiman at sixty five to one in and outright. And I'm making two Hail Mary long shots. Right? I think you're just getting a good number at in Webb Simpson at 130 to one. You know, you're probably better off taking him as like a top 10 with some upside in that. Winning the tournament might be tough, but listen, Webb Simpson gets a hot putter. He, he has a lot of upside. And my real Hail Mary, small bet, but one that, you know, I think he lives in the area. He could be interesting this week was Luke List, uh, who, you know, it certainly can bomb, who might benefit from the wet conditions. And maybe he has a little bit better. Knows the course a little better because he does live close. So someone who I think can maybe put together a week this week. Uh, and again, I don't know if I mentioned Luke List is 150 to 1. You can always talk me into Webb Simpson. <laughs> Actually, I, I really think there's some upside there. I think he's getting healthy. Um, you know, I, I really like his DraftKings price for sure. That's a wrap for the DraftCast tonight. Uh, Nick, again, congratulations on the nuptials. Super appreciative of you coming on to join us tonight. Um, any parting words for the fans? No, not really. I got to finish the six beer real quick. It's just a little bit left, but yeah, that was a, that was a quick six pack. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm gonna bet soon. But, uh, quick. Oh, sorry. Anybody like Will Z? I do. Ha- I, he's a full fade for me. Um, but I wanted your guys opinion on it. Joel, you can go first on it. Um, I'll give my answer second. I, I, he's not a full fade for me. I, I'm not heavily on him. Um, listen, he, he showed he can, compete here with the tide for a second right um the one reason why you know there's something i like about him or i can't fully fade him is because his price to upside is so good like you can build some unique lineups and his kind of price range with him is that price and and with him upside so i like him from that perspective i don't love him on this course so i'm not gonna be overweight to him but i'll have a little bit of it yeah i said this on the better golf podcast the two two of the six or seven i don't want to say most mispriced players i guess it would be guys that their upside is not quite what their price tag is would have been Corey connors and will zalatoris um when you add the ownership to it i don't know that they're full fades for me but i'm definitely lower than the market on those two players for that reason yeah i have a similar sentiment with him there um all right well that's a wrap for masters week again it's the most fun golf week of the year so get in there, get your lineups in, follow along, have fun with it. Get in Discord, we'll be talking about it. You know, get on Twitter, we'll be putting more bets and, and picks out. So, um, you know, the, the conversation's ongoing. Good luck this week. It's a tradition unlike any other. Sports. <laughs>